what's really nice about our proprietary CrowdSafe is that all investors, you know, if you have maybe 5,000 investors in your campaign, they all roll up into one line item on the cap table. They have no voting or information rights. The investors get a return when the company either IPOs or gets acquired or there's a change of control. It's really founder-friendly, very VC-friendly, while at the same time giving investors the opportunity to invest in these startups. That was Cheryl Campos, Director of Growth and Partnerships at Republic, explaining how they're creating a win-win situation for founders and crowd investors. In this episode, Cheryl talks about how crowd investing is creating a way for more people than ever to build generational wealth through investing. She also shares her perspective on the changes that are shaping the future of venture capital. My name's Clark Buckner, and this is season four of Disrupt the Continuum, Launch Tennessee's podcast powered by Pinnacle Financial Partners. This show is dedicated to entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem builders. This season, we're bringing you behind-the-scenes interviews with attendees and guest speakers from last year's 3686 Festival, which for the first time went completely virtual. The new, fully interactive format united a worldwide audience to celebrate community, culture, and connection with the brightest minds across multiple industries. And here's some exciting news. Another 3686 Festival is set to return later this summer. Be sure to watch this space for all the latest info coming soon including official dates, speakers, and networking opportunities you won't want to miss. Plus, find out when and how you can register to attend. Before we hear more from my conversation with Cheryl, we want to thank this season's sponsor, Pinnacle Financial Partners. They pride themselves on being much more than just another bank. They offer their clients long-term partnerships for growing their businesses. Learn more at pnfp.com. Now, let's jump in. Hey everyone, my name is Cheryl Campos. I am the Director of Growth and Partnerships at Republic. Republic is a spin-out of AngelList that allows anyone to invest in startups and for startups to raise up to a million dollars in capital. I was a part of the 3686 Festival um, as a moderator for a panel all about alternative funding. Cheryl, thank you so much for jumping in here and taking some time to talk about the, the good work over at Republic and some of your lessons learned over the years working with tons of startups and entrepreneurs and really being at the front of this new shift in alternative funding as a as we we know you know there's platforms out there like kickstarter those are just rewards based Mm -hmm. crowdfunding this what you're doing with republic this is equity crowd based investing Mm -hmm. right yeah it's equity crowd funding illegally but we like to call it crowd investing Right. And so when you say legally, give me a little quick background of just the history of this and, and how this became an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And just can you kind of kind of take us back a little bit? Yeah, no. Um, so back in the day, pre-2016, uh, if you had the opportunity to invest in a startup, you couldn't unless you were, quote unquote, an accredited investor. An accredited investor is essentially the definition uh, as of stands right now is any investor that has a net worth of a million dollars or has an annual income of 200k uh, for the past two years. So basically, it was for the 3% of people in the US that could invest versus locking out 97% of America. And so 
it's just a true shame that, you know, if you had the opportunity to invest in an Uber back in the day, you wouldn't have because you wouldn't have met this criteria. And so Title III, the Jobs Act, passed in 2016 that finally allowed non-accredited investors to invest in startups, which is why we spun out of AngelList in order to really democratize access to investing and fundraising. AngelList led our seed round, and um, you know, since then we've grown tremendously. We've helped over 150 companies raise over $50 million, um, and we have 700,000 users on the platform. I'm curious, you said earlier, like if you were an accredited investor, that's maybe back in the day, you said 2016, you'd have to have, you know, some specific requirements over a million dollars net worth, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And you said that's about 3% of the population. I'm just sort of curious, how much more reflective is this now having over 700,000 users supporting these companies getting up and going? Mm-hmm. Do you have any interesting data that just kind of paints the picture now of what it's what kind of changes we've seen now in just a short four or five years what yeah what it looks um, like now so um just to clarify too um non-accredited investors can invest in startups if they go through a regulated platform like ours right so we're finra and sec regulated and that's why you need a platform that you know vets and curates the opportunities for non-accredited investors to then go and participate in so that's what we do that's our function and what's really great is that our investor base is definitely a lot more reflective. We have everyone in the 50 states. Um, actually, anyone around the world can technically invest, um, you know, if they believe in that investor. And so what's amazing is that in terms of the companies that have been backed, 40% of them are women-led and 20% of them are Black and Latinx, which means that, I mean, these numbers don't sound impressive, but <laughs> compared really to, significant. yeah, the VC landscape, they're astronomical. And so that's really reflective as well as the investor base, right? Like they care about these companies that are doing good work and they just believe in the founders um, and are trying to, you know, get a little piece of that company that they believe in the future will actually provide a return either through IPO or acquisition. So it's super great. Uh, We have, so not only people around the U.S., but we also have um, a good breakdown of men and women. So, you know, women can also start beginning to uh, get the generational wealth that um, will help level the playing field in the future. This is super exciting. And what's the process like when you, you know, founder, an entrepreneur out there, they have a business, when they... Do they approach you as mm-hmm. a platform? Is it selective? Is it? Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So we essentially accept like about one percent of startups that apply. Um, it's actually pretty selective. We're like basically the most curated platform out there. Um, but that's also because we have a responsibility to our investors to really provide them the best opportunities. So whenever there's a company that we believe has great promise, we have, we jump on a sales call with them, make sure that they are, they have a great story. They have, um, it's just a high level look at the, uh, the business, making sure that it's sound, that they also know what the process is about, you know, getting onto Republic. Then we also have a diligence call with our lead Kyle and he just makes sure that, you know, there's uh, no red flags. Then we create an investor report and present it to the investment committee who decides whether or not they're a fit for the platform. What's your message to people who are interested in maybe approaching something like Republic as a platform? Where do you think a lot of folks maybe get it wrong or think, Mm -hmm. hey, 
you know, they're looking for funding. Is this, maybe sometimes this isn't always the right option. Is there any kind of upfront yeah. thing someone should be thinking about? And this is relevant not only for the Republic platform, but probably in general with fundraising. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So um, as a founder, you should always make sure to know who you're pitching to. For us, what we look for are U.S.-based companies, so U.S. Incorporated. They are generally post-product and post-revenue. So we get a lot of pre-product, pre-revenue companies. If they are pre-revenue, we expect them to either have a notable VC backing or a serial exited founder or have a large community component to it because given that this is crowd investing, we do need it to be a partnership, right? We have all these investors that are looking to invest in startups, but we also need the company to bring in their community, friends, family, customers, and really spread the word on their own. So that's kind of what we look for if they pre-revenue. But for the most part, they're uh, we're industry agnostic. We look for any companies that have, uh, you know, month over month growth, good traction points. And yeah, that's the kind of broad requirements that we like to see. But that being said, um, it's we do make sure that if we don't accept the company to at least let them know why. And if anything, we can also potentially maybe send their deck or their materials if, you know, they opt right. in to other partners in our ecosystem. And I've heard you talk about Oculus in the past as an example mm. of maybe why this is needed and why this should be in the world with this platform. Now it has been a couple of years. So tell me more about what you mean by that particular example. Can you walk me through that? Yeah, so Oculus was a very interesting example. Um, this was pre-2016, pre-Republic. Um, but it just kind of illustrates how there really is power in crowd investing. So Oculus, which I don't know if you know, but it's like essentially a VR company that sold to Facebook for billions of dollars. And they ran a Kickstarter before selling a year or two later. So the people that invested in the Kickstarter, had they had the opportunity to crowd invest instead, right, and actually like, you know, own a piece of the company, they would have gotten a significant return when Oculus sold to Facebook. But they didn't. Instead, what they got was a prototype <laughs> that we don't know if it even works for um, anymore. But it's something that had they had the opportunity would have been, you know, potentially life changing. Um, and really help them create generational wealth, which is why Republic is so important in the ecosystem is that you are not only allowing folks to become lifelong brand ambassadors, tell everyone, but they also expect the return. And so um, that could really help them um, change their lives. So that definitely makes sense. And the from the other perspective, I'm sure the Oculus founders, they were probably... You know, this worked in their favor going through mm -hmm. something like the Kickstarter route where they did not give up any equity. So I'm sure you're trying to find this win-win balance when someone gets accepted, they go through all the, you know, they're that 1% that makes it in to the platform. You were talking about you have to assign a campaign agreement. And mm -hmm. what are some of the things that Republic ends up, what are the terms usually? Is there a kind of like a just yeah. a loose ballpark you can kind of, help us understand so so the way that we help companies raise money for the most part is through the crowd safe so a safe is you know what y combinator 
came up with uh, it's a simple agreement for future equity, a really uh, standard template agreement that is similar to a convertible note, except that it doesn't have a maturity date or interest rate. It just has a valuation cap and a discount. So essentially it has two levers that a founder can dictate and we just make sure that it's not egregious. We agree basically on those terms and then a company can go and raise on that crowd safe. So what's really nice about our proprietary crowd safe is that all investors, you know, if you have maybe 5,000 investors in your campaign, they all roll up into one line item on the cap table. They have no voting or information rights and the company, uh, sorry, the investors get a return when the company, their IPOs or gets acquired or there's a change in control. So it's not the next round where they, you know, go and raise from more funders, but it's when the company exits, there's a liquidity event. So yeah, that's kind of how um, we structure it. It's really founder friendly, very VC friendly, while at the same time giving investors the opportunity to invest in these startups that otherwise would just be private. Wow. If you had to make uh, maybe a safe, your own, your own uh, kind of guess or maybe estimate of what the future may might be looking like when when it comes to equity crowdfunding or equity crowd investing Mm -hmm. how do you how do you see this changing you've been in this company for a couple years now and Mm -hmm. um, two years yeah it's gone by pretty which is a long time (laughs) right you were employed number 25 yeah right now there's close to 100 yeah so um it's changed a lot i think so i i guess I, i can say safely that there's definitely one change that we'll see, which is the accredited investor definition that I had mentioned prior um, is changing to allow for more folks um, to become angel and accredited investor. So that will allow more people to use their discretionary income to actually invest directly into startups instead of just, you know, through our platform. But that will also allow us to, you know, bring in more uh, folks with more purchasing, more discretionary income into our fold. So that will be great because we'll see more angel investors looking for education, looking for content. That's what we're currently building out on Republic. So you'll definitely see us with a more robust offering there. Um, and then I guess the second one, which um, I'm hoping will change in the next couple of months, hopefully by 2021, is that the SEC lifts are cap so the amount of money that a company can raise in any given year can raise it from 1 million to 5 million uh, and what that will do is that that will attract larger companies that want to either fill up their entire round through republic or use it to top off their round so it's very interesting we already had a series b company who had already raised 18 million from top tier vcs um, but wanted to use Republic as a way to engage their customers and, you know, make sure that they have lifelong brand ambassadors. So to that end, we'll see more Series B, Series C companies that can use Republic to supplement the VC backing that they already have or don't have. Maybe they've just been bootstrapped the entire time, but they want to raise from their customers and fans. So that is kind of where I see the future. But in terms of 3686 and really, um, you know, supporting Southeast um, startups, we already have 30 states represented in our portfolio, and that's only going to go up. So we have had 
significant initiatives, including our venture partner program, which has VCs, accelerator ecosystem players from all across the U.S. um, that are helping us diversify our deal flow and make sure that we're getting companies from all across the U.S. And so I know that in the future, we probably will have even more representation. um, And we are so excited to, you know, hopefully reach the full 50 states. That's exciting. It's a great mission and you're Mm -hmm. on the right way. So as we have a few minutes left, I would love to hear a little more about your story specifically. I know you joined and you said 2018 company started 2016. You've had some great experiences leading up to joining Republic. Any high level things that you can share with us a little about why you got into this and why you find passion and joy in, in this kind of work you do? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So I'm a native New Yorker, born and raised, went to Harvard, majored in economics, uh, sold my soul for a great price in banking <laughs> and private equity. But what I learned there, I mean, obviously it was an amazing financial skill set and technical expertise that I could take anywhere. But at the same time, I felt after a while that I was just helping large corporations save money rather than helping improve people's lives, you know, more directly. Um, And so I kind of wanted to leverage my previous skill set, you know, through finance, but also look more towards tech. I think traditional finance is all about preserving the status quo, whereas tech is molding the future. And so I wanted to be a part of that movement. What I loved about Republic was that one, it was cutting edge, right? The regulation had just changed. Two, it was a financial tech, right? FinTech, that bridged my prior experience with, you know, a new industry that I was going into. And last, it was social impact, right? We have all these amazing, diverse entrepreneurs in our portfolio. And I really want to take all my talents and make sure that I was continuing to find those amazing people to help raise on the platform, to help get the capital that they need to thrive. And so I've been at Republic for two years and have seen this firsthand talk to thousands of entrepreneurs at this point and have made it's really made my life very fulfilling so I mean I've done a lot for Republic and Republic has done a lot for me in terms of my mission um, and then that's opened a lot of doors as well so now I'm a scout too for a major top tier VC so I also get a pool of capital to now deploy into startups that are improving people's lives so uh, I can invest in femtech, silver tech, or, you know, just overall support underrepresented founders. So very excited for, you know, what's to come. Hopefully by 2021, I'll have more things to uh, mention. But uh, yeah, that's kind of a little bit about me and my background. Well, I am super pumped to learn more about all the great things that you're doing. What's a good way for someone to follow along? And, you know, I know the story is continuing to unfold and all that. Mm-hmm. And what what's a good way to keep in touch? Yeah. Um, so I'm very active on Twitter. You can find me. Uh, my username is cycampos15. Uh, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, and yeah, for the most part, I just follow along Republic's journey too. You can go and do that through Twitter uh, at Join Republic. So, I mean, would love to have you reach out to me. I, you know, I am always on Twitter for the most part. So you can just DM me (laughs) and we can go from there. DMs are open. (laughs) A lot of great takeaways in this. 
Awesome. Well, no, I'm, I mean, I appreciate you taking the time to learn more about Republic, learn more about what we do. And I, we cannot wait to, you know, help and support more Southeast startups. Thanks for listening to Disrupt the Continuum, a Launch Tennessee podcast where Tennessee's entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem builders share their stories. Remember to check back often for updates on this summer's 3686 Festival, including when and how to register. Launch Tennessee is a public-private partnership with this simple vision, make Tennessee the most startup-friendly state in the nation. With a statewide network of partners across industries like healthcare, life science, energy, music, and more, Launch Tennessee provides the resources and connectivity to drive Tennessee's innovation economy. To follow along our journey, visit launchtn.org slash podcast. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned as we'll be back next week to continue the conversation with another episode of Disrupt the Continuum.